Good morning, everyone. It's good to be with you and get an opportunity to share from God's Word with you today. You know, we've been in a year-long series called Life Trails, and the focus of this series has been about understanding that life is, well, it's a journey. And as we live this journey of life, uh, we will take uh, a series of paths, or, or as we've been calling them, trails, that lead us to all sorts of places, sometimes good, well, and sometimes bad. <laughs> and that's the reality of life. Most of the paths, though, we choose, but there are some of those paths um, that are chosen for us because of life's events and circumstances. Yet, regardless whether we choose the path or whether we, the path is chosen, some paths are chosen for us, during this journey of life, we can choose or we can decide how we're going to respond, how we're going to react uh, to circumstances, and we can choose ultimately uh, what kind of impact we're going to have on others in life and how we're going to live it out. Uh, we, we can choose uh, how we will live as Christ followers in our, our, our journey of life. The last four weeks, we've been looking at this trail of influence and, you know, that we can choose what kind of influence we will have on those around us in our journey of life. One, we looked at, will we choose the path of righteousness or not? And secondly, we, will we uh, look to influence others around us like, like Jesus did, being a light to the world? And thirdly, we looked at, will we choose to extend our hand in helping others. And then fourth, we looked at, will we choose to build relationships? Ultimately, will, you know, the church is about building relationships with people in the world and influencing them uh, that they might uh, become followers of Jesus Christ. To hear the greatest message that there is, that Jesus Christ has forgiven us of our sins and has called us to a, a relationship, a lifelong relationship with him that changes us forever. So now, over the next four weeks, um, we're going to be looking at this trail that leads to the city, uh, generous, generous city, or generosity city, as, as I might call it. So today, I want us to think through and really kind of process this question, why? Why would we want to be generous as followers of, uh, of Jesus Christ. Now, I think it's important to understand how the Bible defines generosity. And I think this definition that I got, in fact, I got it from gotquestions.com. If you're ever looking for a great site to help you think through biblically uh, questions that, that you may have, those tough questions, gotquestions.org, I should say, is the site, is a great site. And they, they define a generosity this way. Generosity is the quality of of being kind and unselfish, especially as it pertains to sharing money and other valuables with others, or things that we have uh, that we possess. And so the Bible, here's the thing, the Bible has a lot to say about generosity as a desirable character trait. It's as something that God desires to be built into our life, to characterize who we are. Proverbs 22.9 says this, the generous themselves uh, uh, themselves be blessed, for they share their food with the poor. And so throughout the Bible, 
you will see that God challenges his, his followers to be generous. Uh, because he wants us to receive the blessing that comes from it. Jesus himself said this, Give, and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. There in Luke 6.38. So this promise really, it reflects the truth of Second Chronicles 16.9, where it says, The eyes of the Lord range through through the earth, to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. And so God is looking, hey, who are those who are fully committed to me? And I, I want to strengthen their heart. I want to I use them in, in, in greater ways. And so God's seeking. He's seeking those people who reflect the, his character and model ultimately his generosity. He delights, it says, to bless them. To bless them and show himself to him. Now, the passage I want us to look at today is in 2 Corinthians chapter 8. And I invite you to turn to that cop, uh, turn your copy of the Word of God to that passage. 2 Corinthians chapter 8. We're going to kind of look at the first 15 verses. And, and so the question, uh, you know, I want to look to, to answer, uh, this passage I want to look at to answer this question, why would we want to be generous as followers of Jesus Christ. Now, what's important, I think, is to have some background. Whenever you look at a passage, it's good to have some background as to, okay, what's, what's going on in the passage to give us some insight, some understanding. And so the apostle, what, the background here is that the apostle Paul is writing a letter to the church at Corinth. It's a city. And, and in chapters 8, Paul is following up on a commitment that they had made a year ago, a year earlier, along with other churches, to give generously to help with the needs of the Jerusalem church or the Jerusalem believers. You see, the Jerusalem believers were going through some extreme difficulties. Um, uh, financially and in other ways, they were being persecuted uh, because they, they believed in Jesus being the Messiah. And so they... They had been socially ostracized and, and excommunicated from the synagogues. Uh, their businesses were not being frequented. And so all because they believed Jesus of Nazareth was the Messiah. And so the result is that their businesses began to fail. Their source of income wasn't coming in. And they received this, they were experiencing this persecution from other uh, non-believing uh, fellow Jews. And so Paul... Paul, he, he's encouraging. He's saying, hey, the Gentile Christians here to help with the great need in Jerusalem by putting aside a gift uh, for the Jerusalem farm. The amount of the gift depending on how God provided them during the week. So weekly, they were to put aside a gift, and the goal would be that it would grow. And that when he came, when Paul came, and with some designated uh, men to take the contributions then from them and go to a Jerusalem church to meet their needs. And so a year earlier, uh, the believers at Corinth, they had said, man, we would like to help. We want to be a part of this. We want to step in. We want to, we, they, and so they made a start to set aside money uh, that would be given to this fund. But the Corinthians, well, they weren't, here it is, a year later, 
they were not following through on the promise to give. So Paul writes this section as, he, as part of this overall letter of addressing things that were going on in the church. He writes this letter to follow up and, and, and he writes them to encourage them to continue with their commitment to be generous. And so I like to just read through the passage, all right? 2 Corinthians chapter 8. And, 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 and just follow along as I read. It says, And now, brothers, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. Out of the most severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. For I testify that they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability, entirely on their own. They urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in this service to the saints. And they did not do as we expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord and then to us in the keeping with God's will. So they, they committed themselves, hey, we are about what God wants to do here in this situation, and we are about committing ourselves to your leadership in, in, in our lives. And so then it says in verse 6, So we urged Titus, since he had early made a, be, made a beginning, to bring also to completion this act of grace on your part. Titus is the one who went to them before and, and talked to them about this need. And so he's coming again to urge them to complete this act of grace on their part. But just as you excel in everything, and they would, the Corinthians did. They ex excelled in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness, and in, and in your love for us. See to it now that you also excel in this grace of giving. I'm not commanding you, he said, but I, I want to test the sincerity of your love by comparing it with the earnestness of others. And so then he goes on in verse 9, he says, and he brings in now the example of Jesus Christ. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that through that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, so that you, through his poverty, might become rich. And here's my advice. Now Paul's being very practical. He's saying, here's my advice about what's best for you in this matter. Last year, you were, at, you were the first not only to give, but also to have the desire to do so. Now, finish the work so that your eager willingness to do it may be matched by your completion of it according to your means. For if the willingness is there, the gift is acceptable according to what one has, not according to what one what he does not have. Our desire, and Paul begins, he goes, this is our desire. Our desire is not that others might be relieved while you are hard-pressed, but there might be equality. At the present time, your plenty will supply what they need, so that in turn, their plenty will supply what you need. Then there will be equality, as it is written. And now he quotes this passage from the Old Testament, referring to when the Israelites went out to gather, gather the manna, all right? And this is what was written. He who gathers much did not have too much, and he who gathered little did not have too little. So here's the thing. Now, out of this passage of Scripture, you know, what is there? What is there for us to learn about generosity? And I, I know the sensitivity of this, this subject. <laughs> but I think there's things to gather here for each of us, myself included. 
And, and, and so, you know, why, why, you know, what is there to learn that why we as followers of Jesus Christ should be generous? And obviously this passage is addressed in the area of, of finances, but I think later on we'll, we'll bring in the aspect that it includes every aspect of our life. Um, and and every, uh, every part of what God's made us, each one of us, to be. But the first thing I, I see here is that, first of all, it's an outworking of grace um, in our life. It's a reflection of how we are, are experiencing God's grace in our life. Now look, look again at verse 1. It says, Now, brothers, we want you to know about the grace. There again, if you are an underliner, that would be a good word to underline, all right? Or a highlighter in your phone, all right? Highlight. The grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. And so here Paul starts sharing about the Macedonian churches who gave out of their extreme poverty. And what does it say? It was the grace. It was the grace of God that welled up in rich generosity. All right, now let's look down to verse 6. All right. Here we see, he says, So we urge Titus, since he had early made it a beginning, to bring also to completion, what, what's it say now? This act of grace. Underlying grace again. This act of grace on your part. But just as you excelled in everything, in faith and speech and knowledge and completed earnestness and in your love for us, see to that you also excel in this, what again? Grace of giving. And so the, here comes this term here, this aspect of grace of giving. This is not about a, this is not about a tithe anymore. This is not about, uh, you know, all, in a sense, offerings. But this is about the grace of God being worked out in, in your life, okay, in every area of your life. And in particular here, he's calling them in the area of finances to meet a need in the Jerusalem church. This grace of of giving. So it was Titus who had a year, uh, who came to him a year earlier to present this need. And now he's being sent again to encourage him to what? Complete this act of grace. This act of grace. Now let's look again at, at verse 9. And now he, he comes to Christ and what Christ's example is. He says, for you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes, he became what? Poor. So that you, through his poverty, might become rich. And here's the thing. When our hearts are moved by the grace of God in our life, you know, that we've experienced what Jesus Christ has done in our life. Uh, you know, his forgiveness, his love, the freedom that comes through him, his sacrifice. Here's the thing. The, the, the end result will be this aspect of fruitfulness in our life where we will want, want to be generous. We will want to be generous. And since, here's the thing, since we're saved by grace, true giving always begins with grace. The grace of God. The only true motive for for generosity is the grace of God. Uh, we, we give because God of God's goodness to us. And so here's the thing. I think you got to process here now, all right? Uh, if you're struggling with seeing God's grace in your life, all right? And maybe you're struggling in the walk 
and you're, you're, you're struggling there. You're also going to struggle with being generous in your life, okay? Because it's, it's an outworking of experiencing God's grace. And so here's the thing. Generosity must be vertical before it can be horizontal. It's got to be about this. It's got to come out of this relationship you have with God before it can really be with the right motives and the right heart horizontally in this world. It's, generosity must be vertical before it can be horizontal. So here's the thing. If, you, if, if, if you've been the recipient of God's grace, and, and the reality is we all have, right, folks? Right? But really, but maybe you've got to dig deeper into understanding God's grace in your life. Maybe you, you need to find that book or whatever is going to help you dig deeper and really come to a fuller understanding of how much God has shown his love to you in your life. Because ultimately, if you've been the recipients of amazing grace, which we all have, then pour it out. Pour it out according to measure you received it. See, it's a privilege. It's a privilege and an opportunity to be involved in the grace of generosity or the grace, as this passage says, the grace of giving. It's not our duty. It's our privilege. God invites us all right, to come join him and, and what he is doing. And this includes, this includes generosity. Includes generosity. So generosity is, is an outworking of grace in our life. There's a second thing, though, I see coming out of this passage, and that is this. Uh, there's plenty for all. God is a God of abundance. Look again at verses 1 through 4. In fact, we'll just jump down to verse 2. Out of the most severe trial, he's talking about the Macedonian churches, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. For I testify that they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability, entirely on their own. They urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in this service to the saints. So the Macedonians who were living in what is described as extreme poverty, looked to be generous. Looked to be generous. They understood something about God. They, they, they said, no, our, our God is a God of abundance. And, they, and that God can, he can, he can bless, he can work through us. And they, they didn't want to be left out. And so the evidence that a heart has been touched by the grace of God is that, it, man, it, it wants to be about what God's doing in other people's life. And that involves, involves gener, generosity. You know, there's, there's frequently asked a question, do you see the glass as half empty or half full? All right? And so if you are an optimist, you see it as half full, right? And if you are a pessimist, you see it as half full. Empty. And here's the thing. I think I, I, I was challenged by this thought this week. It's that we as followers of Jesus Christ, if we fully understand the abundance of Jesus, uh, uh, who God is, we'll always see the glass is overflowing. <laughs> it's overflowing. Um, uh, Christians understand that God is a God of abundance. That God, that God can take the drop in the glass, and he can multiply it and make it overflow. He can multiply it and make it overflow. You know, we see God's abundance everywhere. 
We see God's abundance throughout Scripture. We, you know, this, Paul here re, refers to the aspect of manna and, and the Israelites being provided for in the, in the Exodus. Uh, we see also with Jesus the abundance of God when he fed the 5,000. What was left over? Twelve baskets, right? Right? It's like, hold on a second. There was only five loaves. Why would be left over five loaves, right? But no, I'm going to give 12 baskets full. You know, God is a God of abundance. Hey, you can see it in your yard, right, with the dandelions. God is a God of abundance and the mosquitoes, and, right? You can see all those aspects. And here we see it, God is a God of abundance, even in the life of the Macedonian church. And here's the thing. Do you believe that God is the God of abundance? See, generosity must be vertical before it can be horizontal. There's a third reason here, and and this is so important to understand. It's how God works. God uses his family to meet needs. If you look back at 13 through 15, he says, Our desire is that others might not be relieved while you are hard-pressed, but there might be equality. At, at the present time, your plenty will supply what they need so that in turn their plenty will, will supply what you need. Then there will be equality. As it is written, he who gathers much did not have too much, and he who gathered little did not have too little. And so I, I, I appreciate it. I came across this, this thought from this pastor, Kevin Ruffcorn, and he shared this thought. He goes, oftentimes people... Ask, why are there people in need, right? How many times I've had that question asked, right? If God is a God of abundance, why is there homeless? Why is there poverty? Why is there tornadoes? Why is there earthquakes? Why is there floods? Why? And many people struggle in their faith at this point, thinking that if if God is a God of love, God would not allow suffering. And, and, and what's important, there's so many reasons, all right, that can be given understanding there. First of all, that we live in a sin-cursed world, and this world is in decay, and God's allowing the, the effects of sin to continue to, to go on. He, we also, he, God allows free will of man, and so there's that aspect of that God allows our choices to work their way out in our life so that we might grow and understand and, and, and doesn't rescue us. But there are other things that it's hard to understand. And it's, it ultimately comes back. And so we have, we have some answers. And, and again, I encourage you to go, got questions, I come. Ask them a question, man. Uh, not, dot org, not, dot, dot com. And I, I've, I've sent them questions myself, and they responded to me. And it's like, it's been very helpful to think through some things. But here, I think Paul comes at this question from a different, from a different perspective. If you were to ask him why, why are there people in need? And his answer would be, well, that their need provides you with the opportunity to share of your abundance. Paul doesn't see this as a one-way street again. He knows that there may be some time in the future when we will be in need and then others will have the opportunity to share from their abundance. See, Paul's... This isn't about socialism or capitalism, okay? Paul, he's an apostle. (laughs) He's a follower of Jesus, like you and me, all right? 
who's, who has had his life dramatically changed by Jesus. And he is challenging both the Corinthian Christians and, I believe, in, in one sense, all Christians who follow Jesus to be intentional in discovering ways to share God's abundance with those in need. God wants to use you. God wants to use you. It's believing that God wants to work through you. And see, again, again, generosity must be vertical before it can be horizontal. Do I believe God wants to use me in other people's lives? And then there's a last reason, and that is this. It's how we grow. It's how we grow in trusting God. You know, when you look at everything you possess, everything you have, even who you are, your, your abilities, if we fully understand who God is and His Son, Jesus Christ, and the working of the Holy Spirit, we fully understand that. We come to that, you have to come to that place where you realize it's all about Him. He owns it all. <laughs> he can give and take. He, you know, We've seen that evidence in the last year and a half, haven't we? In that regards. Everything I have, the money, the investments, the time, the skills, the abilities, the resources, is because of God in His grace has given it to me. He's given it to me. He's given it to you. And He has entrusted he has entrusted everything in my life and in your life to us. And the question comes, am I going to trust God? Am I going to trust him with how he wants me to use it as he leads me? And I got to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. And I got to be walking right to really understand that and clearly live that out in my life. He wants me to use it. And that's, and that's what his advice is here to the Corinthians. He says in verse 10, and here's my advice about what's best for you in this matter. Last year, you were the first not only to give, but also to have the desire to give. God spoke to them. God was speaking into their lives. And now he's saying, follow through with what God's speaking into your life. Now finish the work. So that you will be, your eager willingness to do it may be matched by its completion. Don't miss out on what God wants to do through you. And he goes, for if, if, if the willingness is there, the gift is acceptable according to what one has, not according to what one does not have. So here's the thing. The Corinthians, they were struggling to trust God. To continue to trust God in the commitment they made. And, he, and Paul's saying, come, come on, continue to trust God. Continue to trust God. See, here's the thing. God knows our hearts, right? He knows your heart. He knows my heart. So I always want to be in tune with him. I want to be walking in the spirit. I want to be living out his truth. I want to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit's conviction and, and teaching in my life. All right? He knows what's going on in your life. Right now. He knows. And he does not require something that you do not have. 
He delights in the person who can give all that he can joyfully. So he calls us to trust him as we give according to what we have, as we're generous with who we are in every area of our life. And so this is not, don't be overwhelmed. Don't be guilt-driven. Don't be, that's not what this is about. This is about the grace, right? The grace of giving, the grace of generosity that God calls us to as followers of, of Jesus Christ. The important thing is to be generous according to your ability and to walk with God and seek him in it. And Paul understands that there's different there's different levels of abundance. Some have, have been abundantly blessed. And so they, there's, there's more that, they, that can be, they can be generous. Others have altered their lifestyle. I'm, I'm, I'm amazed at those who alter their lifestyle and downsize because and, they want to invest more. That's, that, that, that's, that's a challenge to, to, to me in my life. Um, others have many responsibilities and do not have as much in, in life, whether it's skill, you know, what's going on. They don't have the time or even in, in, in that regards. But Paul counsels each person to give according to his or her ability. Means, it means trusting God to provide and guide in your life. Now, it's important to remember. Okay, it's important to remember. And we're going to probably dig into this even more so in the coming weeks. But that sharing from our abundance needs to be intentional. It needs to be intentional. They were intentional here, right? They were planning to set aside each week according to their ability. And so we have a responsibility to be intentional in this aspect of what God has given us and the abilities and the skills and the time. We need to be intentional with those things so that we can be generous and and. Uh, and, and, and be a part of what God is, is doing. And here's the thing, ultimately, though, this, this is what it comes back to. If you haven't settled your trust relationship with God, you know, do I trust God with my money? Do I trust God with my time? Do I trust God with my budget? And you should have a budget. <laughs> Do I trust God with my skills and abilities? Do I trust God even with what's going on in my life that I can, I can be generous and I can be in, investing in others even, even with what's going on in my life? Can, do I trust God with, with, with my past? That he can redeem it and use it. Do I trust God with my resources? If you haven't settled that this aspect of trust, then you always struggle with being generous in your life with those things. Because, see, here's the thing. Generosity must be vertical before it's horizontal. It must be vertical before it's horizontal. Generosity. Now, it, it, this is, obviously, this past addresses the area of finances. Okay. But generosity is so much more. It's, it's more than just about money. It's, it, it, it obviously includes that aspect of finance, but it also includes my time. It includes my skills and my abilities, my resources, my possessions. And so part of that, is, as we look at this, we got to step back and say, okay, God, where am I struggling? 
What part of my life am I not trusting God that I'm not trusting God with? Right? Is it is it in my finances? Is it what what is it? Is it my budget? Is it my my skills? Now practically, I just leave you with these thoughts. You know, Sue and I, as as we've been walking in faith together here for 36 years in marriage, you know, we've been working out this aspect of every in every stage of our life. And and we, we've seen the reality that at, in certain stages of our life, there, there, there was challenges and things we had to work through. And, but yet God still called us to be generous in those times and, and then with our lives. And then there's other times where we can even dig in even more and, and that. But here's the thing where Sue, I, Sue and I, first of all, we, 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 we kind of work through this whole aspect, this teaching of generosity as we strive to live it out in our life. And that is this. First of all, we start with our budget. Uh, we, we budget to be generous. And so we budget to be intentional. So as we look at the world, first of all, we're looking locally in, in our life. And so our church is a, an area where we believe that uh, God uses the church and the gates of what? The gates of hell will not prevail against it. He wants to work through the local body of church where you are involved and obviously, if, that, if you are here this morning, that's Waterford Community Church, all right, right? And so as, as we look to be generous locally, we're looking at the church. It's a, it's a number one priority because ultimately God's going to do his kingdom work through the, a local body of, of the church. We also look locally. Right now, God's put a, 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 a burden in our, in our heart where we want to be involved in college ministries. And so we are investing and we're looking to be generous as we can in, in college ministry and in young adults. We believe that, that um, God wants to raise up this next generation to impact this world in greater ways for Jesus Christ. And there's some exciting things going on on college campuses. I got, I got a letter from one gal uh, that we support. And this week she talked about, yeah, we had 40 conversations on two, in two weeks about Jesus Christ with college kids. Powerful thing. And I read another letter of someone where we're investing in and we're hearing about what God's doing through young adults in other places around the world. We also look to be involved globally. And so a part of that, we don't just rely on the local church to do that, but we want to be involved globally. And so we have some things that we're investing in where we want to see God being uh, impacting in the world and in and, and poverty and, and also in equipping others in other places to uh, share Jesus Christ. But then we also look at this whole aspect of being generous personally. And so that involves obviously our budget, which I talked about earlier, but it involves our time. You know, I'm an empty nester right now. I got a lot of time on my hands. And I really like it. <laughs> but I want to be intentional with it. And so I look, to, I look to ask God, okay, how do you want me to invest my time, my free time uh, that you give, our, my home and my abilities in that way? Pray with me. God, here's, here's a challenging, Lord, as we begin to really dig into this. And 
where ultimately you work through us. And part of that is as we look to impact this world and the people around us, part of that includes generosity of who we are, the whole person in every aspect. I just pray, Lord, that as we shared this morning, as we strive to process this whole aspect of generosity, I pray for each one here, what you may be speaking into their heart and life. What is it that you want to say to them? And Lord, that they would just understand the depth of your love for them, but the depth also, the desire for, for, that you want to work through them. And I pray, Lord, that you lead us all together as a body of Christ, but also individually as we look to step into this world that you got us in so that we might have impact in greater, great, greater ways for your glory and your name. We ask in the name of Jesus. Amen. God bless, folks.